Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. You can open your Bibles to Philippians 4, 6. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming with them. Just raise a hand. We give these out every week. They're yours to keep. We'll also have all the notes and scriptures up on the screen. I don't have any pictures, so you'll see everything on the YouVersion app. If you look at that at the bottom, you can find Life Church Green Bay. I also want to pause, as Pastor Barry did, to say let's not miss this moment. Uh, we actually don't plan our Sundays like, what's the theme of the day? I mean, there's a message, and I'm gonna speak on anxiety, but the worship team doesn't plan, the prayer time isn't coordinated, so it's seamless, but it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit has a theme without us knowing. Even those of us in charge of planning, we don't know. So I don't believe that Pastor Barry knew there would be a following song after he spoke about the Old Testament names of God, which culminate in the name Yahweh, which is the Jewish form of Jesus. Jewish people have never called Jesus Jesus. They call him Yahweh. And so I just think it's incredible that the theme was there and also that the song, um, I pray, I speak Jesus over my family because over the last two years, and you'll hear within the message, and it wouldn't be a sunny speech staff meeting or sermon if I don't cry. So maybe if I say that right now, I will hold back my tears. Like if you're like, God, I hate when people cry when they talk. Well, Barry, thank you for breaking the ice. I've never heard him cry in public. It's called the Holy Spirit. And for me, it's gonna be the Holy Spirit or he's gonna help me to get through the sermon. But uh, that song, in fact, I told the worship team about it because I was screaming it in a guttural worship in another city in America as we walked a really heavy, heavy road the last two years. And what's interesting is that I thought the words in the song was, I speak Jesus over depression, but then it also said when I was in the worship service, I speak Jesus over suicide. And I've never seen that again on the lyrics, It's not in the original song, it's not in our lyrics, and either that day they changed it out and it was on the screen or I saw it in the supernatural and there was no, I speak Jesus over suicide. And so maybe the Holy Spirit just met me that day in a different church, in a different worship service, but we're gonna jump into anxiety, but uh, I promise this story goes with my message because uh, I'm gonna talk to you about a few weeks back, you may have seen me hobble on stage Um, and I was limping, I didn't have a new walk, I literally had glass in my foot, but I told myself, it was about six weeks ago, I told myself, I think I got it all out. Well, I lied to myself because I didn't want to dig in there, and Sean, I didn't want Sean digging, and somebody in here came up to me with a little needle and said, I have a splinter kit, (laughs) sit down, I'll take it out, and I said, absolutely not, I think it's out. I lied, I lied big because I'm a wimp. And so for seven days, I walked around with glass on the side of my foot. So you may have seen me during prayer. I'm like, you know, doing prayer on a hobble. And then I go to, I wanna work out that next week. And I, I can't work out like jumping jacks on a foot with glass. 
Because even though I got it out, I knew inside that it was still there. And so I went to swimming class, aerobics class, because then you don't have to touch the bottom of the pool. And I was, I was there and there were a bunch of 80-year-olds and one 80-year-old man, and they mean mugged me like we were like mean girls in high school. And it took me all the way back to my trauma as a teenager. Um, they, they were offended by me really wanting to get a workout. But I let that thing stay in there for seven days. And so it's been out for about a month. I did get it out. I soaked that thing till my foot was a prune. I'm like, I will not go in there with anything sharp. It'll just come out. And so I went in there and no joke, that thing was half the size of a pinky fingernail. In my foot, I had corkscrewed it in. So yes, it was in deep, but I got it out after seven days. And then just like a month after I got it out, I noticed there was this weird hard callus where it was. And my body, even after it was out, still had the encapsulation and the callus where it was trying to encapsulate and push it out. But of course, my refusal to get help prolonged the issue. But this reminded me, of course, this glass of Paul talking about the thorn in the flesh. And he begged and pleaded God for, for God to take it out of him, that he would not have this thorn in the flesh. It really we know it's more of probably it was a sickness, an ailment, a person. It wasn't an actual thorn in his flesh like I did. But I can promise you I've never prayed about anything and everything more determined than God just let the glass just fall out in bed. Just let it fall out. And I was so specific. But you know what is interesting is that for the last two years, I dealt with anxiety and I had never prayed so specific about anxiety and all of the things as I prayed about a stupid piece of glass because to me, the glass had become out of my control. But the problem is the things that caused me anxiety the last two years, I still held control that I can't ask God for that because I have control over that, that, and that. So I don't actually go to him about everything. So today I'm going to share with you the epiphany and what I've recently been set free from in a message called Head Hurdles of Anxiety. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're going to set more people free. God, I feel that even since I last got this word, God, that you have set me free from so much because I actually asked. So God, I pray that there will be people set free from anxiety. God, that they wouldn't go into this thinking, that sounds good, but I know I'm gonna walk out of here without it, or with it. God, I pray that they would walk out without it. They'd be willing to have these hurdles taken away. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I preach this message in Toronto. We have a church that uh, we have partnered, taken, it, we call it partner. We've basically helped take leadership along with the senior pastors there. And I am working in tandem with them and they've had me preach a lot there. So I already preached this message there. And I preached it two days after um, I was kind of wrestling with this. And this was about two months ago that I preached this there. And what's interesting is that it's almost like I preached it and I listened to it myself because I've been more set free since I preached this message. I've never had that before. Usually you're like, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to myself, and I need to go walk this out. And literally, I got more freedom after I preached this message the first time. Because I was reading a little before this two months ago in Philippians 4, 6, that's our verse today. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, Pastor Dallas almost stole the whole, mes the whole message um, when he preached on worry, but I've got something different. 
I asked myself in my journal, I literally wrote two months ago in my journal, in my car so nobody could see me, God, how can I expect my young adult kids, Isaiah and Aubrey, to come to you about everything when I won't? And I had a reckoning with God two months ago because two years ago, we almost lost our son to suicide. And I asked him last night, are you cool with me saying this? Are you cool with, Sean has talked a bit about it. We've shared a bit. We've been subtle enough that I think people are like, what's up with them? Like, what's their problem? Um, what's going on with the Hennessy's? But we haven't just outed all the information. But two years ago, it was right after COVID started and we've since realized there may be long COVID that is plaguing our son. And a lot of people are now dealing with the aftermath. We also, also almost lost him to suicide. And so in the last two years, I have become, had become, I'm gonna talk in past tense as of two months ago. I had become like, okay, or at this low to mid level of anxiety is what I lived in, right? Like where life is usually like this and Sonny's usually up and Sean speaks about that. He's not lying, but I'm telling you for two years, I either faked it or they saw that I was struggling. And I felt myself at times, I felt myself feeling anxious when I wasn't feeling anxious enough. When I would have a little lull and I'm like, I feel okay. I'm like, oh God, somebody's gonna call because I can't. I had become accustomed to just anxiety. I felt panic when all was good and quiet. It almost was eerie to me. Like I haven't heard from the kids in a few hours. Sean, have you heard from the kids? Um, are they okay? Uh, the phone isn't ringing. Uh, they're, they're not freaking out. What, what should we worry about? I got good at being a worrier. Some of you may have said, that's been me my whole life. I feel better when I worry because it makes me feel like I'm doing something to be worrying. I, I didn't know about that. And so anxiety had become the norm. And then I began to think, do I have less control? Like my son was suicidal. Our daughter found him. She's traumatized. Staff left us immediately, kind of like, if that's what the Hennessy's deal with and raise, I don't want my little kids growing up to be like them. What's going on in the Hennessy home? So we lost people from our church, we lost staff from our church, and I began to think, I do have less control. I have less control in my home than I thought. I have less control in our church, in our city, and my mind just began to spin, and I thought, the bottom's just gonna fall out. And then this church in Toronto called us like 18 months ago and they said the bottom fell out of our church. There was a coup in our staff and half of our church left with some of our high up staff members. Will you take over? <laughs> like, will you have the church? And we're like, heck no. Sean's like, are you kidding me? We're losing our mind right now. People, I th I'm sure, I know early on people were so like offended and confused and disappointed that Sean and Sonny didn't know how to deal with a pandemic. We did it wrong. We didn't come back soon enough. We came back too soon. We had kids. We, and, and so I was like, we're losing control. We're not gonna take anything more on. But we held it together. And the only thing that you saw was my hobbling foot with my glass in it. But it has been a perfect storm. And here's what I'd say to you, I'm not alone. It's been a perfect storm for many of you. Maybe all of you have felt like there's been a moment in the last two years that's a perfect storm. Think of pandemic, isolation, social unrest, politics, friends turning on each other, racism, violence. Let me read you this. When mariners describe a tempest, 
a violent windy storm that no sailor can escape. They call it a perfect storm. You know Mark Wahlberg, ladies, you remember that movie. Um, Sean hopefully isn't watching this. Um, not, he is, okay, good, he must be in real time. Sorry, babe, I love you, you're the hottest. Okay. <laughs> Okay, not perf this is not a perfect storm in the sense of ideal, but perfect in the sense of combining factors. All of the elements, such as hurricane force winds, plus a cold front, plus a downpour of rain, work to create an insurmountable disaster. The winds alone would be a challenge. One problem in our life would be a challenge. But the winds plus the cold plus the rain, the perfect recipe for disaster. And you've undoubtedly had more than one situation recently. Individually, issues are manageable, but collectively, they can be absolutely anxiety-inducing. We can go from depressed or we can go from angry to the perfect storm creates this combobulation of emotions that are anxiety-inducing. And so here in my car or there in my car two months ago, I finally was honest with God. And he had told me throughout the two years, Sonny, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. But I would stop, and I'm gonna tell you why I would stop. I would stop because I would read the verse we're gonna go back to in a minute and there were some words that tripped me up. I'm gonna give you those in a minute, but let me finish with what, Paul, what happened to Paul when Paul was in a perfect storm. Paul was going all over the place telling, this is Apostle Paul, he was telling everybody about Jesus after he was saved and after he knew Jesus was the way and he was on the water. This is not Peter. This is not the man who walked on water. This is not the storm where they woke up Jesus and said, calm the seas. This is yet another storm. This is Paul on the rough seas going to other continents. And in the storm, he went up to the sailors and he said this in Acts 27, 23 through 24. He said, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So on the deck of a ship, they're like, we're gonna die. And God sent a messenger to talk to Paul. But perhaps you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you have anxiety, but you've heard nothing. And these sailors continued to be in a storm and all they had was Paul's word, that God is with you and he'll keep you alive. And can I ask you, is God actually sending his angels to protect you even as you're still in the storm? I can tell you two years later of some, of some testimonies about that. Uh, I'm gonna ask you, is God working on your behalf in the spiritual realm when you think he's ignoring your needs? So our daughter discovers our son attempting suicide with a rope. And our daughter was on a path to like, come to kids church, come to Catalyst, come to Life Church, just what she does. Sean took her to Israel when she was 12 because she was kind of like, would I really love Jesus if I wasn't a pastor's kid? So her faith was like on her shirt tails and we could see, I mean, we were most concerned that Aubrey would actually want to follow Jesus on her own. That situation and the storm that continued because it didn't get better for two years. It's better now, I'll tell you that, it's not perfect. and. What it's done in our daughter is she's now, she graduated a year early, she's in a theology program in worship arts. Here they come, here they come. 
she gets she she goes to chapel for her degree. She'll be on the worship team by next year. She has voice lessons in worship theory and she's an Old Testament survey and I've never loved helping my daughter with homework more. She's like, what's the, Ab- the Abrahamic covenant mean? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. I wanna impress her. And um, I'm loving that she's learning this. This is my daughter's destiny because the hit the fan and she had to decide for herself. So when the spiritual, the spiritual realm darkness, but God is fighting on our behalf. It was much better than I thought as the anxiety remained. Sean preached a message. I guess what I don't pass. Sean preached a message on worry. Pastor did. Pastor Dallas preached on, I thought it was worry, stress. How did he take part of my sermon on stress? Well, anyway, pastor preached a message on worry. And I want to remind you because it was the first week of these stats that really jumped out at me. 55% of Americans said they felt stressed the day before they took this survey. 45% said they worried a lot more often than they're not. Researchers say anxiety has a direct correlation to heart palpitations, irritable bowel syndrome, and migraines. Psychology Today said 85% of things people worry about never happen. With the 15 that it did happen, 15% that did happen, 75% of the people discover either they were able to handle the problem better than they thought or the problem actually taught them a lesson worth learning. So if you add those together, 97% of what you worry about either won't happen or won't be nearly as bad as you thought it would be. So back to Paul talking to the sailors. They in fact shipwrecked, like straight up the boat falls apart, but they didn't die. They landed on Malta. Paul was learning to trust God in each storm, and this was a saving grace. But I'm gonna spend the last part of this message talking about not a saving grace, their lives were saved. I'm gonna talk about a sustaining grace because Paul went on to be stoned, imprisoned, poor guy, he went through a lot. But he, ta- he wrote a letter back to Philippi, a church that he had started and then he would leave. He would start a church, love Paul, in fact, the greatest sermon pastor has ever preached was during the pandemic. And I just gotta say this, cause I have no filter and I was getting ready this morning and God said, you, I gave you no filter for a reason, use it. And then Barry said, as I got up here, he said, and I know Barry, he doesn't say things unless he knows that he's supposed to. And he said, don't hold back. So here's the non-filtered, sorry, honey, um, version of me. It's the greatest sermon series pastor has ever preached in the history of Life Church, in the history of his life. Keith, our video production um, guy, guy, uh, he created it like a docu-series. It's like you watch something on the Discover Channel or the History Channel, but it was like the timing of like the George Floyd murder the timing of the unrest in the streets and rioting just happened to fall on the scripture about rioting in the streets and burning of buildings. We were like mind blown. And do you know we got more hate from the current Life Church members during that series than we've ever gotten negativity since we've been at this church 10 years? It's too deep, it's different. You're sitting at a desk, I just, It's the great, if you missed it, if you were one of those that heard, oh, I don't really like the direction they're going, I just want my church back, I wanna go back to normal. You need to go back and watch it, it's called Defining the Church, and before that, it's called Acts, it was gonna be called Romans, we talked about Paul. So Paul, if you wanted to know all he went through, that's the series to watch. But this is what Paul said, from prison to the church, he's writing the letter of 
uh, to the church in Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. We're just reading in the Bible a letter that Paul wrote to the church. Philippians 4, 6, let's go to it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. This is as he's laying in a prison cell, as pastor told us months ago, probably in a cell that he's not at the top, and there's feces and urine running through the open floor of the the posts that hold the prisoners on top of each other. He's saying, don't be anxious about anything after all he's gone through. So these are three head hurdles I'm gonna leave you with today. Standing in the way of freedom over anxiety because I don't know how the heck Paul could write that unless he knew something we didn't know. So here was the problem. You can put the verse back up. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, point number one, the head hurdle is misunderstanding supplication. This is where all two years I would stop because I'm like, what's supplication? And sometimes when our brain doesn't understand something, we shut it off, it's called cognitive dissonance. And so I would hear supplication, I'm like, I don't know how to supplicate. What's a supplication? And so supplication means begging, asking earnestly. In Hebrew, a petition to a deity is called prayer. That's way deeper than now I lay me down to sleep or bless my meal, God. Like prayer is like begging. Yeah, it's more robust. It means to plead, beg, entreat, supplicate, or bargain. So when the verse then goes on to say with thanksgiving, so I'm supposed to supplicate and beg with thanksgiving. Here's my next head hurdle. Misunderstanding the context here for thanksgiving because I would put on a good face in the last two years because I had this cliche in my head, I should be thankful. And if I can't say nothing nice, I shouldn't say anything at all. And so I would stop asking because supplication tripped me up, but thanksgiving, like, I have a lot to be thankful for. Here's this, this is how that goes in my head. Isaiah's alive, Aubrey's alive. Our church didn't close down, we didn't resign. God's told us to stay the course, God's told us I got you, I have so much to be thankful for. I don't have cancer, have you done this? Like you need to get prayer, you need to go to God and beg, but you back yourself up because you're like, oh, that's so selfish and ungrateful. But it's a hurdle and it's wrong. I don't wanna wreck others' days and I don't really wanna wreck God's day Really, like, like I've become such an expert on what God needs that I don't wanna go to him and be too beggy. I don't wanna go to him and be annoying, like I don't, because that's my personality. I don't wanna put on you my burdens. So why'd I, why would I want to with God? And yet God says, um, cast your care, like cast, like get rid of it, run. Like give it to me. I, I would tell myself, you have it really good, Sonny. How can you be asking for more? You have so much to be thankful for. Be humble, Sonny. You have all you need physically and materially. But this is where Satan takes what God wrote, even scripture, because Satan knows scripture well, better than some of us. And he even quoted, before the scripture was written, he quoted God's words to Eve, but he did it with a shrug. God said, don't eat from that tree. He created doubt. Side note, when you see people repeat what somebody else repeated, like a question or like, did you hear? Did you hear that pastor over there, his wife died? Is he gonna be okay? Should we leave that church? Because is he gonna be a good pastor? So then Life Church gets a bunch of people back because that pastor isn't holding up his end of the bargain for what they needed from him. Like, and all it takes is one person in the grocery store, did you hear about, is he gonna be okay? Can he still pastor the people? Good, it's good. 
Did you hear Sean and Sonny's Oh, God. Might want to run far away from them. I ran into their old staff member, and they were like, how's it going at Life Church?" And you're like, oh, maybe we should also do what they do. Satan takes what God says or takes scripture, and all he has to do is give it a shrug, give it a little confusion, add his little spin on it. He took scripture to Jesus and he said, Did, uh, you're, you're, you're fasting, you're tired, you're hot, you're sunburned. You could just turn this into bread and food and this into water. This is what God said about you. And Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. So here's what happens when we're weary. It's hard to discern the voice of God from Satan's. We're weary. Two years, it's no wonder there's been people who have walked out of your life. You've walked out of people's life. We've been weary and we don't make good decisions and we don't hear the voice of God correctly often because what Satan is trying to say might sound to us a little like God. And so I tell myself what God said about, come to me, it sounds like God to say, be humble, Sonny. And God's not telling me to be humble and stop praying. God's telling me to pray. So I would, I would say, as Satan twisted the scripture to me, Sonny, you don't wanna be ungrateful because that's not having thanksgiving. You don't wanna be prideful. That's not having humility. So let me move on. Let's go to the verse again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, made known to God. Here's my third hiccup. Doesn't he already know what I need? Why am I telling him what I need? And this is where I'll stop praying because I'll start to pray and it's a lot, right? It takes a lot to pray and like, should I sit in a chair? And then you're like, God, you already know. But this is the third hurdle, mistaking God already knowing as a reason not to tell him. Yes, he knows, but in Genesis 18, Abraham begged and bargained, and it saved the family of Lot, his nephew, and the rest of the family. So if I get over these three hurdles, then we get to the next verse and the promise. And the reason we need to go to God, even if he knows, is because we need to say it. Today when we sang, I pray Jesus, I speak Jesus over all anxiety, I speak it over my family, we could say, well, God already knows I need Jesus in my family. But we needed to say it. We needed to say, I speak Jesus over anxiety, depression, my family, because now we're to the good part. We got through the three hurdles. The promise is the peace of God. Verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This isn't the peace that we can gain ourselves. Okay, and I'll be funny for, I can't, Sean told me don't try to be funny, just be me. And because I've tried to be like Joel Osteen, like there's a guy at the bar, and then I mess it up and, and I tell punchlines before the joke. And so, um, but this is actually about me. Uh, I grew up with ranch, on a ranch with ranchers, and there's a difference between a rancher, a cowboy, and a farmer. And if you want to know more, I'll see you in the lobby because I can set it straight real quick. Uh, but there's something, I don't know about farmers. This, I mean, there probably are similarities. The difference is the animals, right? Like sheep and cows, to eat them and to get their sheep or get their wool, that's a rancher. Milk from a cow and pigs, that's a farmer. And some of you, I love it. We're gonna have a head-to-head -head in the lobby later. Like, I already can see your face. You're like, that's not all it is. Um, chickens can go either way. Let's just say that, okay? So I was a rancher, and this is what, I guess it's not that funny, but now it is. This is what I was told. Either fix it or quit complaining about it. <laughs> you said something once, and you might get a boot up your butt if you even say it once. 
Why are you talking about it? Why are you even complaining? Why didn't you fix it? Don't come in and say the sheep got out. Did you get the sheep back in, fix the fence? You're seven years old and come to dinner? <laughs> Why are you complaining about it? If you can't fix it, shut up. I mean, literally, that was, that was not my parent. That was the whole rancher community. If you can't fix it, quit complaining about it. Guys, I couldn't fix Isaiah. I couldn't fix depression. I couldn't even fix my own anxiety. And that is the, the thing, because here's the deal. We stop saying things and we avoid very, the very topic that we need prayer for. And when we avoid it with others, we're stuffing. When we avoid the topic with God, we have self-sufficiency. Neither are gonna give us peace. We can get peace when we don't try to get it for ourselves. We gotta give it to God. I'm gonna share a story with you I put on Instagram a few months back. This is prior to my breakthrough a couple months ago. And I think some people thought it was me, but honestly, it probably connected with me enough that many were like, that probably was Sonny acting as a male with a story. But this is actually someone's story that I read and I posted on my Instagram. I wanna share it with you. I think I'm going to die. That's exactly when I, what I thought to myself numerous sleepless nights last year. I would try to fall asleep only to be woken up in terror for no particular reason. My chest was tight. I felt like I was choking and I couldn't breathe at times. The cycle would repeat and eventually I resigned myself to sleep on the couch so I'd stop waking my wife. Obviously not me. Love you, babe. Okay, third time. One day I went to the doctor and explained my symptoms, the chest pain, the trouble falling asleep, and the panic attacks. After a couple of tests over a few visits, he diagnosed me with anxiety. Can I be honest? It made me feel like a failure as a Christian. Hadn't I been praying against this the right way? I'm not supposed to deal with this. I would think to myself, I'm supposed to have peace and not worry. That's what Jesus said to do. After following the doctor's instructions and starting to take a small dose of medication, I continued praying for anxiety to just go away. I didn't wanna deal with it anymore. Pause in the story, and I just wanna point back to one more scripture that I referred to that Paul, same guy, said. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul described a thorn in his flesh, and he did not ask passively for that thorn to be removed. In fact, the verb that's used for him asking to have the thorn removed is parakaleo, which means he, it doesn't mean he asked, it means he pleaded. He pleaded. He's like, you've saved my life, but just take this away. And the Lord responded, leave the thorn. He left the thorn Paul's whole life. But for Paul's life and ministry, this would result in Paul going in places of a divine power he could have never attained otherwise. My daughter wouldn't be going into ministry had we fixed it on our own and got the thorn out too early. Our son wouldn't be recognizing God is so real to him, not just because he's pastor's kid, if this hadn't been left in the flesh for a while. So back to my story. While we never know for sure what Paul's thorn was, anxiety can certainly feel like one for a lot of people, including you. Paul said that he pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away, but instead Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. The grace of Jesus is sufficient no matter the circumstances. As I began praying for healing, I began to draw closer to Jesus. Like Paul, God hadn't taken away my thorn. However, I found myself more passionate about reading his word. I've prayed more than I ever have before. I thought what I needed was healing for my anxiety. In reality, I needed more of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying if I had been closer to Jesus, I wouldn't have had anxiety. I'm also not going to stop praying for anxiety to leave. I keep praying to be delivered from this thorn, just like Paul did. But something even better is happening to me than being instantly healed from anxiety. I'm developing a deeper understanding of God and a richer relationship with him. Instead of just praying for peace, I have found myself drawing closer to the Prince of Peace. I prayed for my anxiety to go go away, but I found something much better, the overwhelming, loving presence of Jesus in my life, even in the midst of anxiety, Jordan. So this sustaining or sufficient grace, it tells us that yes, peace is possible over anxiety, but you can't create it yourself. You may be set free, like I'm now not low to mid-level anxiety. I'm feeling life, feeling more ebb and flow like it should rather than just a steady dull buzz of anxiety. But this is another step I took. I said, as David did in Psalm 139, 23, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's a head hurdle. You may not even know some of the head hurdles, some of the anxious thoughts you're having, but we're to say, God, search my heart, know me. I wanna make this real personal for you before I end this morning. I wanna go through this verse line by line. And if you're taking notes or if you wanna pull out your phone and go in your notes app real quick, or you're on our notes, I want you to maybe type some words down. It's gonna go quick. Do not be anxious. Are you anxious? Or would you say, no, I'm fearful. No, I'm just worried. What's another word you could fill in the blank for anxious? I'm angry, do not be angry. Here's the deal, angry is not a bad emotion, but but you need to dig in to see where's that stemming from. So do not be anxious, like figure that out. Are you anxious, fearful, worrisome, what is it? About anything, what are some any things in your life? Are you anxious or are you worried about kids, future, your job? Are you worried about what the news is telling you? Anything, and God says, but in everything, loneliness, in our boredom, in our specifics, in our issues, in our hangups, in our body image, in our weight, in everything by prayer and supplication, remember, is earnestly begging. Let your thanks and thanksgiving, let your requests, your petitions be known to God. So are there three things from that verse that you could say is my anything, my everything, my anxiety? These are three things. Or you could say, I'm anxious and I think I know two things, but God, search my heart like David said, know my anxious thoughts and reveal those to me, like bubble them up so that I can start to pray specifically over the words I've not been praying specifically about. Because the promise again, verse seven, the peace of God, which surpasses all, that means blows it away, outdoes all understanding, any comprehension or logic. It will guard, it will protect, it will hold you. It will hold your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Will you bow your head and will you close your eyes with me? Maybe you're here and you say, yeah, that's me. And I'm gonna give you a moment. In a moment, I'm gonna ask that you just raise your hand and we pray for you and for those things. But you're really gonna be in your chairs praying for those three or two or eight things that you just wrote down or God just brought to your your mind. But before that, if you just need Jesus in your life and you're like, I've never asked Jesus into my life, I've never, um, or I did and then I've walked away, I need Jesus first. Yes, you do. You need, 
Yahweh first. And then he will bring the peace that is promised. And so if you're in here and you say, I need Jesus in my life or back in my life, nobody's looking around. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna bring you up to the stage. I'm just gonna ask you to slip your hand up, make eye contact with me, and then we're gonna all pray with you in a moment. If that's you and you need Jesus, will you raise your hand? Thank you. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is, the, this is what Jesus wanted the church to look like. I was in Toronto and one hand went up in a service and my heart hurt. Not because there was one, because that person needed Jesus, but because you're, if you raised your hand, this is why we do church. This is why we do this thing is for you. So don't feel shame or guilt or awkwardness. We are so glad that many people raise their hands and that you said, I need Jesus. So everybody in here, whether you say, I'm a Jesus person or not, we can never pray this enough. Everybody in here, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I want you. I repent of my sins. Take me, forgive me, be my Lord, be my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now for you, keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. You might not even want the person next to you to know, like the anxiety is overwhelming. If you, that's you and you are struggling with anxiety, will you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Ugh, yeah. Lord Jesus, for so many dealing with anxiety, God, it's, it's not just one thing, it's a perfect storm. It's too many things, it's too much. God, I, there were times I just prayed and instead of naming things to pray about, I just would say to you, it's too much, it's too much. I can't, it's too much. And it is too much. So God, today, we're gonna quit leaning on our own understanding. We're gonna quit holding back on pleading and begging. We're gonna quit holding back on saying what it is you need to know because you know, but we need to know that you're able. So God, we give these anxiety-inducing situations to you, God. You can break it or you can draw us close and you can work on our behalf when we don't even know what's going on. We know that spiritually in the spiritual realm, you're doing so much. We love you in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer of Jesus coming to my life, we have a card for you at the welcome, or we have a gift for you at the Welcome Center after you fill out the hello card, but the hello card is a place to say, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You turn that in, the Welcome Center, and we have a gift for you, but we wanna know and help you on your Jesus journey. And then also we have that card if you're new with us, and Megan will tell you more about things like um, how you get plugged in if you're new with us. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.